Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. And I'm with my good friend, Ernie Dixon. Ernie, how's it going? I'm doing great. Uh, Ernie, as you guys know, is with Elite Physical Performance. He's in our... uh, Are you just in Kingsport or are you in Johnson City as well? I'm in Johnson City some. I'm mainly in Kingsport most of the time. Mainly in the Uh, Kingsport office. So he's a familiar face. He's been on the show quite a bit. And uh, we've got a really interesting topic today. And and I I, want to get just some background is on shoulders. So right. so tell me a little bit about uh, shoulder injuries and kind of what people need to be looking out for right now. Okay. Uh, the thing I was going to talk on today is actually what they call shoulder impingement syndrome. And it kind of incorporates several things. Uh, it kind of incorporates the rotator cuff tendons, the bursa. A lot of people that I see in the clinic, they'll come in with a complaint of shoulder pain. Mm. And uh, they usually will say, you know, it hurts in my shoulder. It hurts when I raise overhead, my arm overhead, or reach behind my back, or I sleep on that shoulder. And most of the time, it's sort of an impingement. And what that means is there's a space between the acromion, which is part of your shoulder blade or your scapula, and then the humerus or or the long bone here, the one we always associated as being the shoulder, okay. there's a space in there, and, and the rotator cuff tendons lie in that space, the bursa lies in that space, part of the capsule lies there, the long head of the biceps tendon, so that space between the acromion or the scapula and the humerus is what you call the subacromial space, and that's where the impingement occurs, so it's kind of a mechanical impingement. So what is an impingement? When I, when I think impingement, I've always thought of like a nerve, uh-huh. like, you know, like you've got an impinged nerve or something. Right. So an impingement is a space. Yeah. It's kind of like any, you know, if you had a space and it's closed down, then that, then you would call that an impingement. So you could have an impingement on a tendon or any structure, really. It's, it's more that that structure lies within a space and there's getting some closure on it okay. and you're getting pressure or friction on it is kind of what what it is it's kind of a term they use it doesn't mean i mean you could have some tendonitis and bursitis and that's all it is or you could even have a little tear going on or you could have a capsular issue or a labral issue in the shoulder so it doesn't tell you specifically what it is but it's kind of referred to as like a a syndrome okay and, and so when you see the therapist or the doctor they evaluate you and then you can tell whether it's more tendonitis bursitis is it a labral tear or a rotator cuff tear or is it just adhesive capsulitis but the the overall all um uh diagnosis sometimes is just called impingement it's sort of a generalized it's almost like someone has hip pain yeah you know got it you know that kind of thing is it specific to the shoulder impingements uh, no you can have some impingements joints. in other areas but but mainly you know with the shoulder it's real common because you see it a lot in uh we see it in athletes your overhead athletes the tennis players baseball pitchers quarterbacks swimmers oh yeah uh, that kind of thing plus you see it in just the general population because um, you know, if you have to do a lot of repetitive reaching, somebody that does a lot of painting, like, you know, painters or, uh, or even just doing everyday things, say you're, you know, say you're lifting and, uh, you're out in the garden and you're doing a lot of digging and things like that. Um, so it's called shoulder impingement syndrome, right? Okay. And, and what I'm gathering here is, is basically you come down with this through overuse, you know, uh, I'm a tennis player. I've had a lot of overuse injuries just because of the, um, repetitive 
often one-sided, you know, like with, with a tennis player, you know, if I'm right-handed, uh-huh. I'm doing a lot of things on this side of my body, right. a lot of uh, overhead, et cetera. Right. I, I very easily could get a shoulder impingement on, on my right shoulder. Sure. Um, <clears throat> one thing you mentioned before we started recording is there needs to be a balance, you know, between, you know, like in terms of like what you work out. So like, how would somebody protect themselves from this and how would they recover from shoulder impingement, uh, syndrome? Right. Uh, the, you know, the cause of it is kind of can be several different things and it probably helps to go over the anatomy of the shoulder a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, there's, you know, several things that kind of, you know, you know, that kind of influence it, that space in there. Um, there's different types of acromions and it's something that we're kind of born with. Like there's a type one or type two or type three, a type one acromion would be just the normal shape of the acromion. So, you know, with that type of acromion, you have a little bit more space between the humerus, the head of the humerus and the, and the uh, scapula or, or, or the acromial part of it. A type two is a little bit different shape. It has a curve in it. Hmm. So, so you have less space between the joint there, so that's where the tendons and the bursa and the capsule lie. So someone that has a type 2 acromion would have less space naturally just because of their anatomy. It's not anything that you can do. It's Got something, it. and then a type 3 actually has a little hook on it, and so they have less space. It doesn't mean they're going to have impingement syndrome, but they're a lot more likely to. So that's something that is there, and it's not anything you can control, but sometimes people will say, well, I've got a type three acromion when they go see the doctor. So it just means that they've got more of a, a predisposition for it. it. doesn't mean they're going to have it. But the thing we see a lot of that people have impingement is there's an imbalance. Usually they have some weakness in the rotator cuff muscles. Mm. The function of the rotator cuff muscles a lot of times, especially when we raise our arm overhead or out to the side, those rotator cuff muscles pull the head of the humerus down and that gives you more space. But say you're doing a lot of repetitive overhead things and you have weakness in the rotator cuff. Well, the rotator cuff's not pulling the humeral head down. So it gradually rides up under there and then you get the friction and that's where the tendonitis comes from and the bursitis. So, um, so you can, so you can have rotator cuff weakness that allows you to start to get that impingement. And then the other part is we tend to be overdeveloped in the muscles in the front of our body, like our, our pecs, our biceps. We tend to do a lot of work with those and those all sort of pull the scapula forward. So, you know, the scapula is sitting on the chest wall on, on, you know, it's over the ribs on the back. Well, if the, if those muscles in the front are tight, they pull the scapula around the wall of the chest wall there. Okay. So and it's called protraction of the scapula. So when the scapula is protracted, there's less space in that subacromial space there. So that, that sort of predisposes you to have more chances of having an impingement, but the muscles that hold the scapula back are like your rhomboids, the middle trap, the lower trap. And so we don't tend to use the, I mean, we don't work out in the gym and use those much. And then too, you know, we do a lot of forward activities. So we tend to get that forward head posture. We sort of slump a little bit. That makes the thoracic spine have more kyphosis or more of a, um, more of a flex position, which makes your scapula rotate around the wall of the scapula uh, or it rotates around the wall of the chest wall there. So that 
closes down the space in the subacromial. So a lot of times the postural component uh, has an effect on it. The shape of the scapula, I mean, the shape of the uh, chromion does. And then the, if you have weakness or tightness in these muscles in the front, um, then that, that kind of predisposes you a little bit. But um, that space narrows down when you're in this 90 degree, from about 90 to 120 degrees, um, abduction or flexion. And so, you know, you know, down in this area, you can work down around your uh, waist level and it doesn't bother you. But when you start reaching up overhead or say in sports where you're playing tennis or uh, swimming or baseball, that kind of thing, then you start to see that. Does this normally happen as you get older, like over time? Are you seeing that people are less likely to go, you know, over that 90 to 120 range? Um, and and I'm, I'm assuming, you know, being able to lift things overhead is such a big part of function. Right. Um, in terms of, like, things that we want to be able to do in everyday life. Uh-huh. Are you seeing that, are you seeing this type of injury, injury with people who are aging and who haven't um, <clears throat> maybe done the exercises for their uh, rhomboids, those middle and lower traps, uh-huh. things of that nature? You know, the impingement, you kind of see it in all age groups sometimes okay. you, you you see it a lot in athletes because with athletes especially if you're like a tennis player or a swimmer or a baseball pitcher that that type of thing you're practicing uh hours and hours yep. doing the same activity and so you tend to overdevelop in certain muscles and if you don't really strengthen the other ones you can get the imbalance of course on the opposite end as we get older we tend to sort of get that head forward position, the thoracic spine gets that kyphosis in it. We tend not to be as active sometimes. Uh, these muscles in the front shorten up, and then you can get some degenerative changes in the rotator cuff too. So a lot of times you narrow that space down normally just from the aging process a little bit. Okay. And it doesn't have to be, but, um, but a lot of times you're, you know, those rotator cuff muscles tend to get weaker unless you're on an active exercise program. So you see it in both in both areas. Sometimes on the on the younger patient, it's an overuse and it's an athlete. But then on the far end, you see it someone that might be a little bit older. Plus, plus two, you can actually aggravate it by laying on that shoulder at night, mm-hmm. or say you say you have a little fall and you fall and you put your arm out and you sort of tweak that rotator cuff and the bursa and it gets inflamed and then that sort of sets it off a little bit. Okay, so, so I, I want to ask two questions here. And the first is coming from the angle of prevention. Uh-huh. So how can I avoid um, through you know exercise, through different functions, everyday functions, uh-huh. how can I avoid getting shoulder impingement uh, syndrome? And then my next question is going to be, if I have it, what are some of the things that you do with patients in order to reverse it or, uh, or fix it? Yeah. You know, probably in order to not get it, um, you know, anybody that's on sort of a, on an active exercise program, that sort of helps because if you're inactive a lot and, and, you know, you're sitting a lot at, at the computer, we're not really doing a lot. These muscles shorten up, uh, uh, you know, tend to shorten up on us. And then what you typically see is somebody goes out and they do some gardening or they do, um, you know, something they're painting and they're doing some reaching or lifting and they sort of get the uh, rotator cuff irritated where if they had been on a regular exercise program over the years, they probably wouldn't see that happen as easily. Um, so, 
you know, those, I mean, to be on some stretching, you know, to stretch these muscles in the front, do some strengthening in the back, just a general routine that we would do. So stretch, Uh, stretch here and strengthen your your rhomboids and your traps. Because these tend to be strong just because we do everything in front of us. And so they're tight. So they pull, they pull the scapula forward, which narrows that space down. And then these in the back tend to get weak and most people, even if you go to the gym, most everybody likes to work on the front muscles because yeah. those are the glamour muscles that everybody yeah. sees when you're wearing a shirt. <laughs> but nobody really thinks about the back. Much. <laughs> and that's the real key on the on, on, on the shoulder. You want to balance. But we tend to sort of be uh, overly strong, overly tight in the front, weak in the back. And then the other components feed in on it. So sometimes it can be uh, just overusing something working around the house and then you sleep on that shoulder or you have a little fall and you land on that arm and then that uh, causes the burst of the flare up or something but it's usually a a combination of things but a combination of repetitive overuse and maybe like a uh you know a specific incident yeah you know which could could be a fall could be like uh you're doing something that is repetitive and then you know, you tweaked it, something right. of that nature. Right. So if that happens, you know, what are some things that patients could expect when they come to see a, a physical therapist uh-huh. in terms of what are what are some of the things you'll put them through? Most of the time, you know, if you're having the symptoms, when I see a patient, they usually come in and say, gosh, my shoulder's really hurting. I'm having referred pain down my arm sometimes. And, of course, you check them good to make sure it's not coming from somewhere else. Yeah. Sometimes you can have some neck issues that – cause to have shoulder pain but if you can get a good evaluation and sort of you know there's special tests you can do to sort of see if it's going to be positive for impingement or rotator cuff so that helps you have a pretty confident um, you know idea of what's going on so if you think you know if you know it's rotator cuff tendonitis bursitis or impingement then you start to show them things they can do usually you'll try to stretch those muscles in the front you try to start doing some strengthening for the rotator cuff for the muscles that pull the scapula down and then also you can use some modalities things like ultrasound you can do soft tissue mobilization where you go in there to loosen up these muscles uh, you know do some joint mobilization to the thoracic spine because usually it's stiff and there's not a lot of mobility there so you you try to normalize everything everything that's tight you try to stretch it and show them how to do it because the key is having them go home and they know what to do so that's kind of the biggest thing that I do is try to instruct them so they understand why it's happening, and then that gives them control to know how to treat it. But, you know, the soft tissue things that I can do, they can't do themselves. Sure. Then you can see them and, and, and do those the manual therapies and that type of thing, and that really helps. But then the ultimate goal is to teach them how to avoid it in the, in the future. How do you avoid it when it's – you know, it's such a, some of these movements are such a big part of our daily life. Yeah. Um, it seems, you know, adding that balance component, you yeah. know, with some of these exercises that you're talking about. Yeah. It's just really uh, having a balance. You know, you know, if you look at the things we do, most everything we do is in front of us. You know, yep. you know if we're working on a laptop or we're watching TV. So, you know, and if you look as we age, we tend to go forward. If you look at someone that's 20 years old and you look at them when they're 80, they're sort of bent forward. They tend to go forward. And the reason is because uh, gravity is pulling us forward. So we tend to sort of slump that way. Isn't there the saying that gravity is like 
pulling you towards the grave or something. Oh, yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of gruesome, but and it's one of those things we all kind of shorten up. You know, you know, our posture changes a little bit. Of course, when it does, the shoulder, you know, you know, our scapula moves around the wall there, so that kind of lessens that space. But really, it's just a matter of having a balance. And, yeah. And and so with it, you want to strengthen the muscles on the on the anti gravity side, just like and stretch the muscles in the front, and that sort of balances out. So it's not anything drastic. It's just that most of these things come on over a gradual period of time, and then when you increase something or change something, then that sets it off. It seems sometimes. posture is just such a big deal in terms of aging. It really is. You know, like it, it, really it feels like a lot of um, our um, physical debilitations yeah. come from Really, I think it comes from, you know, kind of the falling forward. Does balance have something to do with that, too? I know we're getting off topic, but... Yeah, everything kind of goes together. Our body, you know, you can't separate one from the other, but the postural thing really has a big effect. I mean, a lot of cervical pain, a lot of lower back pain, a lot of hip pain. It all relates back to posture. Yeah. You know, same thing with our shoulders and things like that. So a lot of times those things set us up. It's not that you have pain all the time, but... Once you start to get to to a critical level, then those things make a difference in there. So it it's not you know it's something we don't think about because it's so gradual because our posture changes gradually over a long period of time. Yes. And you get used to it and and you think well it's normal but you know if you look at a picture of yourself maybe when you're you know 20 and you look at it maybe 20 years later and you're like wow I can tell I'm starting to get that that little bit of kyphosis going on and yeah. of course we all do a little bit but really that's where the if you know you know if a person can be active throughout their life and have a balance and then if you start having issues if you start having some pain don't put it off just go see you know you know you know uh, either go see a physical therapist or a doctor and let them evaluate you and then most of the time it's something you can treat it's not a surgical case or anything like that now with the rotator cuff Sometimes you can have an impingement syndrome that goes on and on, and they don't do anything about it. And you can develop a rotator cuff tear if you get enough friction in there. So that's why it's important when you start having symptoms. A lot of people say, well, I've had shoulder pain for two or three years, and I didn't do much about it. Mm. But it got worse and worse. But if, if they had gone maybe and had someone evaluate it and treat it, they could have avoided that. Can a tear like that – so you're saying a, a – a tear in a rotator cuff can be gradual. Yeah, you know, you know, it can be more like a degenerative type of tear. Okay. And then it's a, you know, the the impingement is kind of a, um, it's kind of a frictional, it's sort of a, you know, kind of a rubbing and an irritation, and the tendon gets flared up. You get a tendinopathy, and the tendon degenerates a little bit. And then if you do something, then it may tear there where it inserts on the bone. Of course, you can. Of course, a lot of tears may be a sudden thing where you fall and you tear the rotator cuff or something. But, but, but you see a lot of degenerative type of tears sometimes. And it's sort of people will say, you know, I've had shoulder issues for a long time. And they'll sort of just, you know, it'll be intermittent flare-ups. But they don't really deal with it. And then it gets gradually worse and worse. And finally, when it's really, really bad, they'll go to the doctor. But, and right. then, then it's, they've got a tear in there by then. So... Um, what are some of the symptoms just so for the for the people listening you know say you know in their head they're like that sounds kind of like me uh, um what are some of those is it just pain in the shoulder is is there any other symptoms <clears throat> that they can be on the lookout because it seems like 
time is of the essence sure. in, in, the, in yeah. situations like yeah. this. Yeah. Gosh, you know, a shoulder pain can be really painful because the shoulder is innervated by the cervical uh, nerve roots. So it has a real rich nerve supply. The same nerves are going down into your hand and fingers. Mm. And, and that's what gives our hand that ability to do the fine motor task is that rich nerve supply and our sensation in our fingertips and things. So the shoulder has the same nerve roots coming through it as that go down into the hand. So, so when you have anything going on with the shoulder as far as an inflammatory or an injury, those nerve roots are really irritated in there. So you have a lot of pain. So it's usually that sharp, piercing kind of pain sometimes. Is, is it right on top? Or well, be... you know, the typical thing is people will say, well, you know, it doesn't hurt here so much. It hurts here. It's okay. in this lateral border. And that's kind of referred pain because the dermatome, which is the part of the skin that relates to the nerve itself, will be, I mean, most people will complain of this lateral shoulder pain. You can have pain in the joint too, but... A lot of times the typical complaint is, well, boy, it really hurts down in here, sometimes even back in the shoulder blade area, that kind of thing. So That's really interesting. So, so, so they can look out for pain like that, and then, you know, what if it's the person who's like, okay, maybe it'll go away, or you yeah. know, I'm just going to take, you know, a, a, an ibuprofen. Sure, sure. You know, is yeah. there anything that you would encourage them to do, like, right at that moment? You know, say they've been feeling it for a couple of weeks. Do they need uh, to get an evaluation, or could they you know, maybe do some exercises right then. Yeah. The typical thing is, you know, like we all have some aches and pains, so yep. you don't want to go yep. to the doctor every time you have an <laughs> ache or pain or something. But if you're, you know, if you're having it and it's staying consistently there and usually you'll know, like when you say you have to reach up in the cabinet to get a glass out. And when you go through that motion, you go, Oh boy, that really hurts. Or you reach behind to put your belt on, you can't do it. Or you reach out to the side and you feel like, Oh gosh, I, my arm is really hurting. That's probably a sign that you've got either the tendonitis, uh, bursitis, maybe a, that impingement going on. Yeah. So I would ice it, you know, ice that shoulder maybe two or three times a day because that'll act as an anti-inflammatory. You could take ibuprofen. Uh, you can do some pendulum exercises that yep. decompresses it. And that'll help you, but if it keeps coming back, then it's where you're, you're constantly re irritating it so that's where it helps to go ahead and go to the doctor or go see the physical therapist at, at what point would you say it's like a chronic injury like after three weeks or after six months you know how long are people going through life like this because yeah. i can i can see myself kind of adjusting yeah sure. ad adjusting my lifestyle sure, so sure. that i don't feel that yeah sure most people do you know a lot of times they'll have it and they'll say you know it's been bothering me a couple of years <laughs> yes. and, and 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 they'll say it does pretty good and then i'll do something and then i'll pay pay for it and then it'll get better so the typical thing is we'll go through that for a while and then it gets to be where the time in between the episodes gets shorter and shorter and then each episode oh. gets a little bit more severe. So by the time they actually decide to go see the therapist or the doctor, a lot of times they're at that point where, boy, it's really bothering me now. Yeah. Where it starts off as gradual and there's a big interval between the episodes. And then all of a sudden the episodes get more frequent and then the and the intensity of the pain gets worse at, with each episode. And then finally they go, okay, something's going on. <laughs> so that's usually when I see them is, <laughs> yes. is then. So, but really if they got it earlier, it would be better, but just human nature, we're all that way. We, I mean, none of us like to go to the doctor a whole lot or, <laughs> or go see the therapist, you know? So, uh, but it really helps you if you can get an early, early, uh, diagnosis and, and early evaluation. Yeah. yeah. Can you leave us with maybe just a couple exercises? It seems 
that such a big part of this is is building up your your back, you know, right, essentially. Right. Can you leave us and, and then you know I promise I, I know you got patients waiting. Yeah. Can you just tell us a few exercises that people can try that there's <clears throat> no real risk of getting getting hurt with? Sure. But just to start to you know get in the habit of um, not being so you know focused yeah. on, on on your glamour muscles. Sure, sure. Uh, one thing that helps. Uh, that just helps decompress it is you can do some pendulums and yep. you know, I'm sitting here in the chair. I can't really do it well here, but if you're standing and you have the arm, you're kind of just do it in a clockwise direction, kind of letting it dangle and no weight and no way well, you can put a little cup weight around your wrist. If you want to, you can do clockwise for about a minute, counterclockwise for a minute and just gently swing it. But what that does is just decompresses it. It's not a strengthening. It just sort right. of, it's more for pain relief. Uh, the other thing that's good to do is to do a wall corner stretch. If you get yourself in a corner and just put your forearms and your palms flat on the wall, walk into the corner and stretch the chest, the pec muscles and yep. things there. That that stretches those out good. And that sort of... And that would have to help with posture too. Yeah. Because it opens you up a bit. Because those pull you forward. Yeah. And, and when you pull forward, you narrow down that space. The other one to do is just a simple isometric for the scapular retractors, the rhomboids. And it's just if you're if you're sitting or standing, you're pulling your shoulder blades back together mm. and holding them for maybe six seconds. And that pulls the scapula back. And then that opens up that, that space there. And, and what might help with that, because you've put me through a lot of these exercises, is having you know, you know, a spouse, a friend, you know, actually see if, put your, put your hand in there and yeah. the their back and see if they're squeezing it. Exactly. Uh, just so you can get some affirmation that you are activating right. Right. those muscles. And the other one you could do if you have some TheraBand or TheraTubing or that kind of thing or is do, you know, you could have some TheraBand coming from the, you know, from a door handle or something and you're going into external rotation yeah. and you try to strengthen the external rotators because they're one of the rotator cuff muscles that pulls the head of the humerus down, which allows you to have more space in there. Mm. And those typically are the ones that are weak. And that's really those, uh, you know, the rotator cuff muscle, part of their function is to depress the humeral head or the ball part of the the shoulder joint there to actually pull it down and give you some space in there. Interesting. And so uh, Ernie Dixon, man, this has been so fascinating. And I really appreciate you uh, talking, uh, talking with me about the, what, tell me again, shoulder impingement, impingement syndrome. syndrome. Uh-huh. Awesome. And it's been awesome being here. Thanks so much. Ernie Dixon guys. Uh, he is with elite physical performance. You can find him in performance medicine of Kingsport, uh, in our Kingsport office. Guys, this has been outside the box. Uh, I, I rewatched this video. We, we put, went through a couple exercises that are super valuable. So hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm your host, Ben Rogers. As always, we'll see you guys next time. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.